0: Welcome to the CV Spachem. We're back to you with a new episode concerning all things security. Um, We created this channel dedicated specifically to security issues, but now we are sort of broadening topics and trying to discuss and debate different issues. But since we haven't discussed security for a while, we decided it's a nice idea to review what's going on with the security in the world. We discussed Nagorno-Karabakh, nuclear talks between the U.S. and Russia, and... So stay tuned, subscribe, and, as always, enjoy. So, we are back, dear listeners. We are back. Yes, and today, I guess, uh, we're going to discuss all things security, um, uh-huh. because, you know, this uh, podcast is dedicated to security, and that's how we started, and uh, we didn't discuss it for a while, and a lot of yes. things, you know, happened and evolved, and I guess, you know, now security, basically, security order, security atmosphere is, like, changing, like, constantly, and it's, more, it's, it's way more interesting just to observe it and analyze it, I guess. And it's very fragile. Oh, yeah, it's very fragile. And I guess that's how we start our podcast, by basically discussing um, the conflict between you know, Armenia and Azerbaijan. Um, mm-hmm. Because, yeah, I guess because it's one of the most important things that like, is happening right now um, on the ground and in terms of talks between different i guess leaders of the world how to preserve peace because no one no one is interested in in a world there i guess uh, which can happen every day i mean yeah
1: and it's it's important to uh, analyze this uh, this case because mm-hmm. uh well in theory those are two very small countries yeah uh, with uh, small populations and they're without any weapons of mass mm-hmm. destruction. But why we should be interested in this conflict is that both of the sides of the conflict are backed by, well, very formidable military powers. Yeah. Uh, and one of them is a member of NATO.
0: Yeah, it's which is, like, basically Turkey backing, uh, backing up um, uh, Azerbaijan. Um, yep. Yes, and as you mentioned, it's, it's super... It's really important because it can trigger... Uh, Large-scale conflict, not only in the region, but also between NATO, Russia. You know, NATO-Russia relations are in in a disarray. It's uh, it's like in the worst uh, kind of point during, I guess, uh, since the end of the Cold War. And of course, kind of uh, events like this can just uh, escalate everything, you know, in a second, basically in one day, in one week. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, I guess I also mm, I want to mention because when we just analyze uh, the difference. In between Armenia and Azerbaijan I guess Armenia is uh, way more um, how to say I would say just basically it's a very poor country without mm-hmm. any sort of resources without it's a landlocked country which means they have no access to water they cannot really trade with the world so they really rely on Russia in terms of its security and they don't they basically don't have any resources to fight with Azerbaijan because uh, Azerbaijan mm-hmm. on the other hand it's sort of like uh, united arab emirates in in the caucus because they're very rich it's a oil and gas rich country um and they can kind of build uh, this uh, their economy uh, not only this basically don't rely on russia of course they trade with russia it's also important like maybe economic economical partner for them but they not mm-hmm. solely like rely on russia they have uh, they're very like I couldn't, I couldn't say they're totally pro-Western, and um, like Georgia or like Ukraine, because they don't really—they're not interested in democracy. It's basically one family ruling Azerbaijan for more than like thirty years. Um, but uh, they definitely look uh, at the West, like for inspiration, and you know they buy military equipment from uh, uh, from Turkey right now. In in a, like week, uh, like they have a lot of a uh, big chunk of. Military equipment is coming from um, basically Turkey, which is like NATO ally. Yeah.
1: You know. Yeah, definitely. And um, when we we're talking about military equipment, it's it's funny to note that uh, this would basically be um, should the conflict escalate, basically a fight between two uh, Soviet armies yeah. because they're equipped by equipped in equipment that's post-Soviet, both of them uh, being formally uh, under the influence of Moscow. Yeah. Um, and I think it's also important to note, as you said, uh, Armenia is pretty poor uh, mm-hmm. And when we compare their defense budgets, Azerbaijan has four times larger defense mm-hmm. budget So without the backing of Russia, Armenia would be doomed in this conflict This is the, yeah. I would say that the backing of Russia is the only thing that um, mm-hmm. First of all, doesn't lead to further escalations And second of all, guarantees the existence of Armenia
0: Yes, it's... And that's why Armenia kind of tries to—I mean, from like my perspective, Russian perspective, Armenian people, and just Armenia as a, as a government of Armenia—they really try to involve Russia in this conflict. In a sense, they try to like there is a lot of stuff in, in, happening in the media, where just like Armenian people saying, you know, Russia doesn't support them very well because, I mean, officially they're in this military pact, which is kind of similar to. NATO if you know, Armenia is invaded by Azerbaijan, I mean Russia will have to respond because it's a collective security agreement um, yeah, but basically they try to I wouldn't say provoke necessarily but they try to kind of pay attention you know, to bring Russian attention to this conflict and kind of like be um, like just to say that uh, you know, we are being attacked and uh, you should protect us and stuff like this
1: Yeah, I guess Armenians would like to do the same thing that the countries on the eastern flank of NATO want to do. This is bring in as many American troops to our countries, countries as possible. Because when Russia strikes us, the American troops will be struck as well, which will drag the U.S. into the conflict. We say we see the same dynamic here. Yeah, exactly. The Caucasus.
0: I I guess like the big difference is the difference from any other let's say this frozen so to speak conflicts in post-soviet space like ukrainian or a, a georgian case i mean the, the the case here is like russia doesn't want to escalate you can clearly see they don't really want conflict like to happen uh, and they make like really big effort in bringing sides uh, to the like, negotiation table in kind of trying to i mean they also like uh, participate in this uh, Minsk or Organization for security and cooperation in Europe arrangement where they basically with France, th- France, the US and Russia, they kind of guarantee peace in this conflict, in this region, ceasefire. Um, and they try to really stick to this arrangements, uh, security arrangements, because they understand, I guess now with the Russian economy also kind of experiencing hard time with the COVID, they don't mm-hmm. really want to escalate, they don't really want to, you know, be dragged into this conflict because they will respond I guess Uh, if uh, Azerbaijan Azerbaijan tries to invade Iran they will respond uh, inevitably I guess but they don't want to and also they don't want to push Azerbaijan I guess to NATO side uh, because I guess the the story is in 90s uh, they had pretty bad relationship Uh, I mean Azerbaijan and Russia they, they were never friends in terms of like Russia He's a friend with Belarus or something like this. They didn't really uh-huh. participate in any in any cooperation, didn't participate in any economic uh, frameworks that Russia proposed in post-Soviet space and any kind of security frameworks. Um, so they just tried to be very pro-Western, but then they, of course they realized that they need, I mean, Azerbaijan also needs some good uh, economic, I don't know, Relationship with Russia and they they kind of like this in the middle position where they're not pro-russian But at the same time they're not anti-russian. So they kind of like in the mm-hmm. middle trying to benefit from everyone from every side um, And I guess Russia does both worlds. Yeah, I mean and Russia wants to save this for a while because they, they understand You know, if Azerbaijan out uh, of a sudden becomes like very pro-anti-russian like Ukraine It will cause again another conflict it will probably be invasion or at least something like this can happen so they don't really want to escalate this any further and go try to bring try to bring uh, every side to the negotiation table and just just you know chill and calm everyone down i guess
1: and uh, what is interesting in this conflict is that it's another sphere uh in which mm. turkey and russia are are fighting it off you know Yes which is interesting because you know when turkey decided to deviate from uh from nato plans by buying s-400 you would have thought that there is sort of a reapproachment between russia and turkey but this doesn't seem to be the case
0: so for me the relationship between um turkey and russia they're really strange in the sense they resemble this uh, 19th century power politics uh, because they're on the one hand Really, see their you know friends on some issues, uh, and their, like foes on other issues because you know it's still it's still like they, even for Turkey, you need to make an effort you know to buy Russian military equipment because strategically you will like really, you'll be you rely on Russia for like next decades. You no, know, it's not like Turkey is not interested in cooperation with Russia, but they try to balance things out in terms of they somehow come to the I guess it's ba- mainly people can argue it's because there's like two authoritarian leaders and the way they see the world is like very like real politic and when they just call each other or just they have negotiations they can really be this you know kind of kind of like in the Stalin sense uh, just draw the lines and say okay this is your sphere of influence, this is our sphere of influence so they try to balance things out, I don't know, it kind of works uh, interestingly, it's which is I guess very interesting Just a subject to to study, like their relationships during this during this period of time, and still they're still like in this strange entangled position, so to speak.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, which is, I guess, something that NATO should be um, glad about that they're, you know, that Russia and Turkey do not cooperate on every level.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, and they cannot. uh, I mean, and then basically they get like Turkey got this. Uh, backlash from the US because now they kind of it's really hard i guess like to fit the russian military equipment to nato military yeah. equipment because it's like it's really t- it's very really painful but then you see just turkey it's like turkey has this vision of a middle-sized power in the middle east and kind of pursues it and it's really kind of relatively successful in terms of no one really talked about turkey i guess two decades decades ago yeah, and now everybody does much, yeah it's, it's pretty much involved in every conflict involved in every issue yeah and
1: syria and
0: libya everywhere yeah, and greece and uh yeah it's in the position like turkish position is still important and yeah um uh, yes i guess uh, so for now they I guess they agreed uh, on um on ceasefire on which da- the...
1: is not really respected
0: yes i guess which is hard because on the ground you know they're basically facing uh, troops facing each other and uh, the conflict can erupt every second and also i guess because of this new types of military equipment like you know drones and uh, like if you shoot the drone you kind of like provoke another side but at the same time some like military power that don't really respond to this kind of things if you shoot the drones like whatever and yes yeah it's 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 a very hard dynamic i guess when you're on the ground and you just you know troops facing each other you have a command and control and you could basically need to figure out what to do with this military equipment um so you maybe are ready to fight but you kind of have to have to pause and stop and just not provoke another side which is from day to day basis i guess it's it's really it's really tough but it also you know shows this uh, um if you like kind of in a larger sense uh, the problem of post-soviet space it's not like you know i guess there's a good quote from someone it's not like um soviet union just collapsed in one second and still kind of collapsing has been collapsing ever since you know and it's like you can see results of this um, now basically Mm -hmm. wrong process which also makes you think whether other frozen conflicts like ukrainian conflict like Georgian conflict, they could go really bad at certain Point in time and you know, basically can collapse and it's like a powder kegs in every kind of not region but in this in this particularly important strategically important region in the world and it can go wrong every every kind of day every uh, every year there is no certainty that they will continue like the things will go the way they they, they go you know so yeah we actually... can't
1: predict what, I, what will happen
0: Makes you think, yeah, and also kind of cast, sometimes it casts doubts, I guess, on Russian ability to be this the so-called like this uh, the guarantor of security in the region, because uh, sometimes they can like really like Russia fails to implement uh, just basically security, implement some order, so parties won't uh, escalate. And that's, well, maybe
1: sometimes they do not have the incentive to do so
0: yeah but russia takes this responsibility and it's also like the part of this idea it's my yes it's my sphere of influence but it's also in russian interest to preserve peace they don't really want war um but you know kind of like other players like the us and probably europe like france uh, they just say well but you don't really fulfill your promises so you see they're still fighting and stuff like this yeah true we should intervene and do something uh, at least together we should do still together i mean with France and the U.S., they still in, in in one kind of boat in this conflict. Oh yeah, really want a war. Yeah, which is, I guess uh, this is one topic that yeah we wanted to discuss. Yeah. Another topic would be with this during this chaotic election period. Uh, <laughs> I would say it's the same. at the same time they have like this uh, time frame with this uh, new start agreement just like yeah we discussed it a couple of times yes um, we did yeah basically you know agreement that limits the number of warheads deployed on both sides uh, on russian american side and it's 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 until basically uh, january 2021 and they have no agreement and extension and they have they have like this uh, uh, like them dialogue happening between like special representative on the American side, special representative on the Russian side. Um, and the, basically there is, a, there is so much chaos like recently, like, like happening recently, uh, because um, American side kind of like posed this like posted this tweet that uh, they were about they, they basically they posted this tweet that they're about to conclude some kind of like new framework with Russia and it's just, just about to happen, you know. And But what Russia, about what about China? Yeah? I mean they basically dropped China for now, they dropped China out of this. They they realize that there is no I mean I guess they just realize that it won't it won't facilitate, it won't help negotiations. So they just dropped China out of this. For now at least. And now okay. I guess the problem is it's really hard to understand because you know, those those talks that they happened one in Vienna, they happened in Helsinki. They're very close talk, we don't know the content, we don't know what basically like the proposals or the country proposals on each side but for now they, they just i mean they want to extend it for one year as far as i understand uh but they want also to like kind of sign some agreement with russia that russia um will kind of will, will work with china to bring it to the future agreements and they basically propose the stop on new types of kind of military like, new types of warheads uh-huh. are uh, being developed on, on both sides of course is a hypersonic there's hypersonic vehicles because uh i don't know you can think about this new type of uh, russian missiles um and stuff like this so they basically want to halt any kind of deployment of new type of uh, let's say uh vehicles that can carry nuclear warheads uh, and this basically push russia in this direction but of course russia says uh it's not possible for us we just like propose you uh one year uh, extension without any kind of like promises just like let's let's continue talking so to speak uh yeah just basically postpone
1: making the final
0: decision which is, which is also interesting It kind of involves American elections in, in the sense that, you know, Biden already like, issued the statement that uh, New START should be prolonged. It's like, uh, yeah, he's ready to do it. And if he becomes a president, he will basically continue working with Russia because it's also important for him. It's like Obama era uh, agreement, New START. It's, it, it's, uh, it dates back to 2010 when they started mm-hmm. it uh and for him it's just a part of also his uh obama biden legacy and yeah course, exactly so they just and uh, they want to extend it because uh, the life is just easier of course there's some problems with this uh, new types of warheads or, so to speak tactical nukes and it should be discussed. It should be tackled um but for now it's like the best that we have and you know if, if like i guess if we get rid of like this agreement then there will be, you know, relations between Russia and the US be just more chaotic in a sense Yeah,
1: it will get out of control.
0: Yeah, because now at least now they have some certainty on the level of this strategic so-called, so-called strategic stability that they sh- at least they agree on something, at least, you know... To something, the number of, yeah. Yeah, a number of warheads deployed. At least they have verification mechanism. They, they talk, they show each other the military equipment that they have. And after that, it will be just... It will be, Way was like they were just more suspicious to each other and they were just basically won't have any clue what's going on um with nuclear warheads and stuff like this yeah it's so, interesting to see how elections yeah. in
1: the us influence the foreign policy of russia so heavily you know that oh, they're yes. willing to to postpone huge talks waiting for the results of the elections. interesting to see
0: i guess so i guess so like even though i don't think they like biden to i mean they i don't think biden is their favorite candidate because uh, democrats usually are way more tough on russia
1: oh would you to, say that's the same thing about reagan
0: uh, <laughs> it's hard to say because this cold war i would say after cold war era if you had mm-hmm. clinton look i mean yeah bush, bush bush was also like uh but at least they had some kind of uh, in the early uh, in the early like uh presidency of Putin, they had some kind of cooperation on terrorism. Yeah. Um but then it all kind of, I mean I guess I I don't know but I don't I don't see that they really endorse Biden just because of this new start agreement. Of course they won I guess they won extension that's uh, I guess Putin issued I guess two days or three days ago just unconditional extension for one year mm-hmm. also. Um, which basically indicates that they're interested in extension. Um, well, um,
1: if Biden wins, first of all, it will be chaos in, in the US, if Trump doesn't want to step down peacefully, and Russia would benefit from chaos in the US. So.
0: Oh, yes. Um, I guess this can kind of like, uh, leads to another topic. It's like this period of lame duck period in American politics, so to speak. It's, mm-hmm. uh, if Biden wins, uh, Trump will still be an active president for like three months until inauguration. Yep, with all responsibilities, I mean, to act according to his needs. Um, and it's just interesting what kind of like, what kind of events can actually happen during this period of time, especially with this pandemic, especially with this uncertainty in the world, uncertainty in the insecu- insecurity sphere. Uh, what can happen? Because, I mean, anything can happen, to be honest.
1: Well, if, if Trump uh, really doesn't want to step down Peacefully, if he, for example, wants to contest the election result by saying, "Oh, it was rigged," you know, because it was mail-in votes, etc., then we will have huge political chaos within the U.S. and and how this translates into international relations. I think that some of the major foes of the U.S. on the international scene might take advantage of this chaos within.
0: I mean, and for the, for, from their perspective, it's uh, really it's crystal clear why, because you have uh, this uncertainty political, and like you don't have actually political will from another side to act, because you think about Trump, and he's a, I mean, he's a very weird guy, it's for sure, and like you think about this period, and something happens, and Trump is acting president, but you know uh like you he, he will have to step down if biden means, of course uh and then you have kind of this uncertainty going on what kind of like actions to do with what, like what's yeah what's sort of like how, how to respond for example to military attack i don't know for me for me it's it's i don't know about russia i don't i don't think russia is a very bad uh, shape right now it's not like very um, just just in, in the sort of a mode of the crisis with this pandemic but uh-huh. for example if you think about china and taiwan um um i don't know it's, it's it looks like a great opportunity you know to seize taiwan for example because they definitely they're preparing for this you know it's like the satellite images that show that they have basically large scale manoeuvres like large scale manoeuvres yeah uh, like just emulating like the seizure of taiwan you know and last
1: week uh president of china he was addressing his soldiers and he said you you need to be preparing for war be prepared for yes
0: for example and with china it will be just i guess shocking for american side in this period because like what to do you know uh if you, you don't really want to start the large scale war with China of course, but you kinda of want to protect Taiwan. Um, but you know if China is like eager enough to definitely conquer Taiwan, I mean they, they can do it. Um, it's like but it will be just just interesting to think about this because uh, I don't think it's uh, it just it just like it just the possibility is definitely there.
1: It's, it is definitely. And um the U.S. would would face a choice: either we intervene and risk a yeah. very huge scale war, or we step down, which I think would be a symbol of the U.S. Uh, giving up uh, their role as the world hegemon. This, yes. if they if they step down to, uh, on Taiwan, this is basically the end of their unquestioned hegemony in the world.
0: Yes, I guess the, the question of Taiwan is like. For prime importance, I would say for international security, because there will be definitely some development. I don't think China will step down and say, "Well, you know, Taiwan. We don't consider Taiwan part of China." Uh, on, I guess on the contrary, with every like, with every year, the certainty in you know, the Chinese power will definitely grow, and yeah, Beijing going gonna say, "Well, now it's time for us to just demonstrate," you know. Uh, military power the same way russia demonstrated its military power in georgia or in ukraine you know just show the world that they they're capable of um and this is can happen i guess it's it's totally there um they definitely have some like a, a lot of like military equipment in this area they have you know russian s-400s there which is in case of uh, the like americans want to use their uh air power so to speak because just to protect this area uh, from any kind of american uh, aviation and stuff like this, yeah. So it's, it's, yeah, it's tough to think so, but uh, I guess in this in this uh, constantly changing world, it's definitely a possibility there. And perfect, it timing is, it's like this uncertainty period in American politics where no one knows who's gonna be next president, uh, who's gonna be responsible for security or for military in this administration and stuff like that. Yeah,
1: this will be a short period, uh, of which someone can take advantage
0: yes uh definitely so i guess we should con- should continue observing this and um, we will for sure it's just like interesting i guess it's just interesting thought <laughs> like interesting perspective uh, to you know ponder on yeah <laughs> yeah so um thanks for listening to us uh, as always uh, yeah subscribe to our channels rate us uh, i don't know maybe tell your friends that be awesome. <laughs> and, oh yeah, because uh, we are. Yeah, and yeah, goodbye and see you. I guess next week. Yeah, I'll you next
1: week. <laughs>